This afternoon we continue to deal with the Heidelberg Catechism. We're up to Lord's Day 2. From where do you know your sins and misery? From the law of God. What does God's law require of us? Christ teaches us this in a summary in Matthew 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Can you keep all this perfectly? No, I'm inclined by nature to hate God and my neighbor. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, can you imagine what it was like on August 6th, 1945 in the city of Hiroshima, Japan? An American bomber was on the way to drop the atomic bomb. But the people walking about in Hiroshima were oblivious to any danger. They went about their normal daily tasks. They didn't realize that they were about to be destroyed. They were not aware of their peril. Their position was desperate, for a bomb was soon to fall upon them. Yet their condition was such that they were ignorant of any danger. This image accurately describes the position and condition of fallen mankind. The position of fallen mankind is desperate, for we face the coming judgment of God. And that judgment is much more severe than being bombed with an atomic bomb. It involves the eternal damnation of body and soul for all those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The scriptures make it clear that the wrath of God rests on the sons of disobedience. All those who do not repent and believe will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord. The tragedy is that many people do not realize this as they should. The condition of fallen mankind is such that it is blind to its own fate. Just like the people of Hiroshima did not realize their desperate situation, so also today many people walk around in total ignorance. That's why God has given us his word, in order to make clear our sins and misery, in order to help us see our great need for a savior to deliver us from the wrath to come. God has given us his law to bring us to see how desperate our position and condition really are. The law reveals our sins and misery, yet the law in and of itself cannot save us. In order to receive comfort, we need to draw near to Christ. 
He is our light and salvation. When we come into his light, our sins are revealed. But that's okay. For when we come near to Christ, we also receive a great comfort. The comfort that he has come to save us from our sins, to deliver us from our misery. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. To live in the joy of our only comfort, we need to draw near to Christ and to his word. By, by drawing near to Christ and his word, our sins are exposed and our comfort is made sure. With the fall into sin, darkness came upon this world. God's beautiful creation was corrupted. Sin and death entered a realm that was previously pure and whole. And it's not just creation itself that was corrupted. Also man, the crown of God's creation, became defiled with sin and subject to death. Mankind has become totally corrupt. Our minds were darkened. Our hearts became self-focused. Our will was inclined to do that what is evil. Through the fall into sin, our close communion with God was broken. Darkness entered into this world. Yet many do not recognize this darkness. Many people do not even realize that they're living apart from God. They're completely ignorant of the fact that they are sinners. The Apostle Paul makes this clear in his address to the Areopagus in Acts 17. He commended the Athenians for being very religious. They even had an altar to an unknown God. Paul seizes on this opportunity to make known the Lord God and his son, Jesus Christ. He teaches that God is the creator of heaven and earth and of all living things. Paul explains that it is God's intent that all men should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Paul opposes the Athenians' worship of idols. He says that we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. Paul acknowledges that the Athenians sinned in ignorance. But then he also calls the people of Athens with these words saying, the times of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world. Also today, many are ignorant of their sinful state. Modern man believes that he is inherently good. Many consider that the world's problems are rooted in the riches exploitation of the poor, on the lack of education, on conflicts arising because of different world religions. They think this planet's problems can be solved through an equal distribution of wealth, by providing everyone with a good education and by a tolerance of one another's beliefs. They laugh with disdain when you speak about the total depravity of man and the stream of sins that flow forth from our evil hearts. As Reformed believers, we are different. We acknowledge that we are sinful people. 
We can be pretty good at pointing out the faults we see in others around us. And yet, when it comes to ourselves, we have a tendency of glossing over our wrongdoings. When it comes to recognizing our own sins, we all have blind spots. These are areas of our life where we think or say or do sinful things and yet no, no longer even realize that they're sinful. Beloved, we can become so used to watching shows and movies that the blasphemy and the ungodly conduct of actors no longer affects us. We can be so used to gossiping about our neighbor that we're offended when someone's unwilling to listen. We can be so aggressive in our work that we get angry and upset when things don't go our way. We can get so absorbed with making money, it doesn't even occur to us that money has become our God. It can be so common for us to make harsh judgments about one another, we're no longer sensitive to the hurt we cause our neighbor. Because what we do has become habitual, we no longer consider it to be sin. In the darkened world in which we live, sin is a daily reality. Man's sinful state has been accepted as the norm. The Apostle Paul speaks about this in Romans 1. He makes it clear that the Gentiles are guilty of sin before God. Yet they are also, for the most part, unaware of their sinfulness. Paul speaks about how, by their unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. The result is that they become futile in their thinking and that their foolish hearts were darkened. In Romans 3, Paul makes it clear the Jews are also guilty of sin against God. Paul quotes from Psalm 14 to show how we're all guilty of sin. He says, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside Together they've become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Paul explains how all people, without exception, are sinful. So the question is, how do people become aware of their sinfulness? Paul answers this question directly in Romans 7, verse 7. He says, For if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it was to covet. If the law had not said, you shall not covet. What Paul is saying is that he did not realize how desperate his position and condition were. Until the law helped him to see this. God has given us the law as a mirror. Through which we learn to know just how sinful we are. Beloved, we hear the covenant law of God read out for us each Sunday. It sets a standard for us. It makes it clear how the Lord wants us to respond to his grace in everyday life. Yet it's so easy for us to minimize what God requires of us in his law. To think, we haven't murdered, we haven't committed adultery, or stolen, or testified falsely against our neighbor in this past week. It's easy to take on the attitude of the rich young man who came to Jesus 
who told him that he had kept all these commandments from his youth. That's why it's so essential for us to draw near to Christ and to his word. The reason for this is, is that Jesus is the light of the world. In John 1, verses 4 and 5, John the Baptist said the following about Christ. He said, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In verse 9, John says that Christ is the true light, which gives light to everyone. And he was coming into the world. What John 1 teaches is that Jesus Christ is our light and our salvation. Paul makes this clear in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. He says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When we draw into Christ, we come into the light. You know what happens when a person in dark comes to a, to a bright spotlight. What you formerly saw as a dark shape takes on definition. As a person comes out of the shadows and into the light, you can clearly see him for who he is. The Lord Jesus spoke about this to Nicodemus in John 3. Jesus makes a distinction between those who believe and who have life and those who do not believe and who are condemned. Then Christ said, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You see, beloved, as we draw near to Christ, we come into the light. The result is that the light of Christ exposes our sins and our misery. That's good. It's very necessary. For we need to come to terms with our sins. If they're exposed now, then we can also repent of them and seek our righteousness in Christ Jesus, our Savior. Isn't that much better than living in the darkness and having our sinfulness revealed on the final day when it's too late to repent? In Luke 12, Jesus warned against the hypocrisy of the scribes and Pharisees. He said, Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. In this life, we may be able to cover up our sins. We can pretend that all is all right, but that will not help us in the life to come. By drawing near to Christ and his word, the depth of our sins and misery are made clear to us. Christ made it clear it's wrong to apply the covenant law of God in outward, formalistic manner. In Matthew 22, Jesus taught about the requirements of the law. He summarized the law as follows. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. In this summary of the law, Christ revealed the depth of God's covenant law. It's not just about external rules and regulations. It requires much more from us than just outward conformity. The law's focus is on our hearts, on our motivation for the things we think and say and do. Christ teaches us that unless our behavior is motivated by love, it's sin. Beloved, who of us can truly serve God from the heart? Which one of us shows love to his neighbor in thought and word and deed? Let's draw near to Christ, the light, so our sins may be exposed. Let's diligently study his word and examine ourselves according to it. For it's only in that way that we come to know how great our sins are. It's only in that way that we realize that by nature, we're inclined to hate God and our neighbor. That recognition is necessary for us to live and to die in the joy of our only comfort. For if we do not know how sinful we are, we also will not seek our life and salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. In our first point, we've seen that by drawing near to Christ and his word, our sins are exposed. In our second point, we'll see that by drawing near to Christ and his word, our comfort is made sure. Christ does not expose our sins to make us miserable. He does not reveal to us the depth of our depravity to depress us. He reveals the truth of our position and condition to help us. Christ does not want us to be like the people of Hiroshima who are unaware of their impending destruction. We need to know the depth of our sins so we look for comfort in our only Savior. It's only those who know that they are dying that seek the lifeline that God offers in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Indeed, Jesus Christ is the light who gives life to the world. The prophet Isaiah teaches us that when God shines forth his light upon us, we have life. In Isaiah 60, he prophesies about how the Messiah brings light and life to all his people. He says to Zion, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people's. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And all nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Let's remember that Isaiah spoke these words to the people of Israel in the time before the exile. He knew that because of her sins, God's people would be taken into captivity. Isaiah spoke these words as a comfort to God's people when they would be surrounded by misery. Picture Israel as a woman sitting in sackcloth and ashes, in exile in a foreign land. Picture her as a woman lying prostrate because of her sins. To a nation in misery because of its sins, Isaiah commands, Arise, shine. And why does he say this? 
for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. God will save his people. The Redeemer will come to Zion. Even though darkness covers all the people, the Lord will arise over Israel. His glory will be seen upon them. Isaiah is speaking here about the coming of the Messiah. He comforts people who live in darkness with the rich promises of the coming Savior. He prophesies of how the Lord Jesus Christ would bring light and salvation to his people. How he would redeem them from exile and restore them to their own land. Because of him, all the nations would flock to Israel. The Gentiles would come to his light. For Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He came to save both Jews and Gentiles from their sins. Beloved, we know that the Messiah promised to the Israelites by Isaiah has come. In chapter 4, verse 16, Matthew quotes the prophecy of Isaiah. He says, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region in shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Although we may sit in darkness because of our sins, although we may be heavily burdened by our misery, Jesus Christ has come to save us from our sins. He's come to restore us to communion with our Father. On the cross, Jesus suffered through three hours of the torment of hell, while there was darkness on the land. He has borne God's curse in order that we might receive his blessing. Christ gives the forgiveness of sins and eternal life to all those who believe in him. By his mercy and grace, we have life, and we have it abundantly. For Jesus is light, who gives life to all who believe in him. And so we see, beloved, that by drawing near to Christ, our comfort is made sure. In John 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In John 11, Jesus said, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. In John 12, Jesus said, I have come into this world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. The Apostle Paul calls us to be children of the light. In Ephesians 5 verse 8, Paul said, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Paul explains that as Christians we are to show forth the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Or to show forth what is good and right and true. Trying to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. And we're to take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead to expose them. And then Paul utters a call to those who are asleep. To those who are dead in their sins. To those walking in darkness. 
He says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. These words remind us of Isaiah 60, verse 1. They show us that the same call that went out to the Jewish exiles also goes out to all of us. When we're asleep in our lives as Christians, when we're stuck in the midst of our sins and misery, the call is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, to walk in his ways. Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, that it's only in Christ that we are made into a new creation. Without Christ, our life is empty and meaningless. Without Christ, we also walk in darkness. And yet the Almighty God, who created us and who redeemed us, is also the God who sanctifies us. By His Spirit, He renews us more and more so that we can actually walk as children of the light. To those of us who walk in the light, God gives very great promises. Promises about how He will be our light and our salvation forevermore. John wrote about this in Revelation 21 and 22. In Revelation 21, verse 23, he speaks about the glory of the new Jerusalem. He said, And the city has no need of the sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and the lamp is the Lamb. And in Revelation 22, verse 5, John says, And the night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. The point, beloved, is this. In the new Jerusalem, we will dwell in the presence of our glorious God. His light will forever dispel the darkness caused by our sin and misery. Beloved, how rich we are in Jesus Christ. With the fall into sin, our our position and our condition were desperate. We deserved eternal condemnation. By nature, we are sinful people, inclined to hate God and our neighbor. And of ourselves, we did not even realize the danger we were in. If Jesus Christ came into this world as our light and salvation, he came to deal with our sins, to restore us to communion with the Father, by drawing near to this great light, our comfort is made sure. For it's only in Christ and through him that we have life. Amen.